Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. a sports betting podcast powered by Rotoviz Radio. Uh, my name is Matt Lamarca. I'm an employee of Fantasy Labs and the Action Network, and you can find me on Twitter at Matt Lamarca. Uh, I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host Kyle Dvorak, who you can find on Twitter at Kyle Tweets Here. Uh, Kyle, what's going on, man? Not much. We're another week deep into preseason. Uh, get, you know, covering all the stuff that matters. Guys who won't be playing on the you know active NFL rosters making big plays. So. Uh, Definitely, mostly placing all of my bets right now because this is when it really matters. Now, I'm, of course, I'm just kidding, but it is it is fun to get that much closer to the actual NFL season where things actually start to matter. You know, it, it comes and goes so quickly, so cherish it while you can. Uh, how have things been going for you? Yeah, pretty good. Um, we're definitely gearing up for NFL over at the Action Network. I've had a lot of uh, meetings these last couple of weeks just trying to get a plan in place for everything, so... Uh, I'm excited. I've got my big, my big hometown fantasy draft next Thursday. So I ordered the draft board, got the stickers in the mail last night. It's an exciting time of year, man. I love when that sticker sheet comes in the mail. It's a great day. Yeah, I just write on like a whiteboard in my awful handwriting that everyone says, who's that? And I'm like, sorry, I have to. Yeah, no, it's actually pretty sad. We like get rulers and just like, all right, this is how you make a grid. So like everyone forgot to buy anything. It's like 20 bucks. No, I, I don't think it's that we're cheap. I think it's that we're lazy. Okay, gotcha. Well, Which is comp- so much better. It's much more admirable to be lazy. Yeah, I, I agree. If I had to actually go to a store and buy the things, I would probably agree with you. But it's like you just go online, man. Like, you know, it's- uh, and what if I get like one that's not as good as somewhere else? You get that like comparison fatigue. Now nah, just... Make a garbage one that no one can read. All right. It's such That's, a better option. That sounds uh, that sounds terrible. It is. Uh, before we get into the show, I want to remind you all that you can become a Rotoviz patron this season. Uh, Rotoviz Patreon is back, and it's better than ever. Patronships start at just $6 per month. Uh, we now offer access to Rotoviz Radio Slack channel, where you can ask questions and gain league-winning advice from many of the podcast and writing team. Patrons also get first dibs on Listener League spots, which are going to be filling up soon. Uh, I actually just got an email from uh, Colm Kelly, who is one of the great Rotoviz hosts here, and uh, I'll be in one of them. I just got to put the money in the account, and and I'm in. Uh, Then, if you join the $9 tier, you get some sweet Rotoviz Radio merch at the end of the season. Uh, Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today. Join an exclusive community of listeners access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high-quality, industry-leading programming. That's patreon.com slash rotovizradio. Also, if you aren't a Rotoviz subscriber yet, sign up through the podcast homepage and get yourself a 10% discount. Uh, Fantasy season is, it's not even just heating up, it's here. And a subscription is going to give you access to all the RV content 
and tools that you need for your upcoming drafts uh, and during the season as well. Uh, make sure you sign up at rotoviz.com slash podcast and get yourself that 10% discount. All right, part six of our NFL preview series. We're in the home stretch here, Kyle. Uh, we're looking at the AFC North today. We've already done the entire NFC and the AFC East on our last show. So make sure to check those out if you've already missed them. All right, let's start with the Cleveland Browns. I believe this is your team, correct? Um, I, I live closest to Cleveland, but all of my family is from uh, Western PA. So I'm a, I don't even want to say diehard anymore. The more you analyze football, the more you're just like, eh, I don't care. I just want my bets to pay off. <laughs> but I, if I have to root for a team, I'll still pick the Steelers. But uh, I do have sort of a soft spot for Cleveland in that uh, I've lived in Ohio for, I don't know, over a decade now. And you watch a team get beat up so much, and you start to feel bad for them. So I, and I do see this franchise. I mean, it, it's showing in their in their win total. It says the the turnaround is already complete, despite them not looking like uh, like that team for much of last year until about the second half. So, uh, what do you think to do with this team? Because it seems like the optimism has already jumped the shark, or at least you know has jumped the value, right? Yeah, I mean, so their over under for regular season wins is at nine and a half. It is juiced up on the under, minus 152 there. They're the favorites to win the division at plus 130. They're minus 124 to make the playoffs, uh, plus 750 to win the AFC, and plus 1600 to win the Super Bowl. So going into this podcast, I was fully prepared to be fading the Browns. Uh, I'm with you that they've become like everybody's favorite team, you know? Uh, I have friends, I live in New York, I've seen like so many Odell Beckham Cleveland Browns jerseys that I'm a little bit confused about it, like, uh, you know, this is this is Long Island, right? <laughs> I don't think I moved, <laughs> but I still see all the Browns jerseys, um, and I just think that anytime you can sort of fade public perception, you kind of want to do it, but then I sort of dug into the numbers and... Cleveland honestly was really good last year. They just kind of got sabotaged by the worst coaching staff that's maybe ever been put together with Hugh Jackson and Greg Williams. Uh, th- they were 2-5-1 and one to start the season, but they had a, a turnover differential of plus 8 over that time frame. Like, they were, they were winning the turnover battle, and you're supposed to win the, the game roughly 80% of the time that you win the turnover battle. So uh, I think they said that this is the first team ever to have a losing record that has been at least plus eight in the turnover differential after eight games. So they're a little bit of an outlier there. And then if you look at what they did once Freddie Kitchens took over, you know, Baker Mayfield was great. He averaged over eight yards per attempt. He had a hundred passer rating. Uh, Quarterbacks historically take a huge leap forward in their second year. When you're talking about uh, top 15 draft picks, they go from winning roughly like 39% of their games as rookies to close to 65% of their games as sophomores. So uh, I think that the Browns actually are a pretty good bet here, considering the way that this is juiced. Uh, I might take them at plus 130 to win the division as well, but I I hate to say it, I'm, I'm buying the hype. I think that this team is just loaded all over the place. You know, so many offensive weapons for Baker, who I think we both agree is a great quarterback. Uh, they should have an, an excellent pass rush with um, Miles Garrett 
on one side, Olivier Vernon. Like, I, I think that this team's got everything that they need to, to really contend seriously this year. Yeah, it feels so, so fishy and not sharp wanting to side with the public. But when you look at what this offense will be capable of, and not only that, but they have a lot of playmakers on defense. I think we just tend to gravitate towards the offense because that's sort of more predictive. But when you look at uh, their, first of all, their head coaching hire, Freddie Kitchens, a guy who seemed to build in a very short time really good rapport with Baker Mayfield. Uh, and then Todd Munkin, who led the dynamic or, you know, I, I don't even want to say it wasn't like it wasn't like they were a, a rushing threat or a, a short passing threat. They just scored a lot of points in Tampa Bay, really, because they were going for high value, high leverage passes, gunsling it deep. And when you add in the fact that like they were a good offense, despite having I, I don't want to say bad quarterback play, but highly volatile quarterback play that often skewed towards like cataclysmic downside. I don't see that at all in Baker, but you have to see that similar upside. Plus, I, I I like Mike Evans, but I would say Odell Beckham is almost undoubtedly a better receiver. And then uh, you look at David Njoku, one of the best athletes at the tight end position. He was incredibly efficient in college. Uh, and then Nick Chubb was amazing, despite, you know, like we said, for a lot of this offense being hampered by, like, I, I'm pretty convinced in calling Hugh Jackson, like, the worst head coach in the history of the NFL uh, and and really one of the worst head or one of the worst coach staffs in the entire league, like maybe ever. So I I think plus one thirty to, to win the division might be a little optimistic, but going over on nine and a half, I'd actually prefer just compared to the juice. And then we've talked about it before. This is a team that uh, because you can see their range of outcomes really peaking as like one of the premier offenses in the NFL. The higher you go up to say win the NFC or win the Super Bowl, if that's something you're looking at. I think their their range of outcomes is skewed towards having like a massive boom season. So I think those bets even become better values. Whereas win the division plus one thirty really doesn't feel like great odds when you look at the teams in their division. Pittsburgh, like a perennial playoff team that missed it somehow last year, basically like losing half their close games and like making really boneheaded decisions. They it's hard not to expect them to come back unless you think the Antonio Brown. Uh, loss is that important. And then uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens did make the playoffs last year. And I think uh, it's reasonable to expect to step forward from them. So when the division seems like rather optimistic at such, I'll say like favorable odds for the Browns at plus 130, I I'd much rather just go plus 750 to win the AFC or just take the regular season win total nine and a half. It's juiced on the under. Just give me the over on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm probably, just from listening to you talk there, I, I think I'm going to be less bullish on the rest of this division than you. That's the only reason why I think that one 130 could make some sense, because I, is there a situation where the Browns win nine games and somehow win the division? I do think that that's a possibility. Um, so it, it's like a kind of a slight hedge if you want to uh, to, to invest in the Browns, because you know, asking them to take the over on their win total, you're asking them to win 10 games. So it, it is a big ask. Um, but I just think that this team has everything that you need. I mean, the, the rookie quarterback contract, when you're getting good play from him, is the biggest advantage you can have in the league right now. And, you know, the Browns might be getting that more than any team in the league at this point. I mean, and if you look at their how they're spending their money, it, it's all allocated defensively. They're spending the second most money in the league on their defense. So if we're expecting this offense to be really good and they're doing it on the cheaper side, the fact that they can then spend so much money on defense, I think gives this, ceiling, this team a really nice ceiling. 
Uh, you know, I'm not sure if they're necessarily Super Bowl contenders yet, but I do think that personally, I would be surprised if this team wasn't at least in the wild card hunt at the end of the season. Yeah, the way you describe them actually sounds like uh, like the the breakout season for Jacksonville. But imagine if Jacksonville had Baker Mayfield and better offensive weapons as a whole, and like discount the defense a little bit. But I do agree that when you look at some of the players on this defense, uh, like namely, I think they may have one of the best defensive linemen come the you know come twenty twenty in Miles Garrett. He might be like the next premier defensive lineman in the league. He had that profile coming out, and they drafted him as such. I really think he could be following in the footsteps of someone like like J.J. Watt or even uh, Joey Bosa is another good example of a guy who's able to come in and make an impact right away. So they've sort of uh, built this this uh, roster in a way that really does enable them to hit such an upside. But I think the, the thing that concerns me the most is when you look at what uh, a plus 130 odds has their implied probability of making the winning the division at, 43.5%. Do you think they will win, you know, you play this out in the simulation, you know, even though, you know, we're all living in a simulation, but you play this one out, do they win 43.5% of the times, you know, just over two, two-fifths of the time? I think that, they do. I really, really do. That feels optimistic to me, considering, uh, like, this is a, a pretty talented division. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm going to be selling the Steelers, who we'll get to in a second. And I still have questions on the Ravens. So I just I just think that the Browns, you know, I know we're, we're kind of extrapolating a small sample size here with Freddie Kitchens, but I just trust Baker. I trust the coaching staff. I trust the weapons. And I trust the defense. And I can't say those same four things about any other team in this division. So I know that I'm paying a little bit of a premium on the Browns just because they're so hyped up. But again, like I think that this is the clear class of the NFC North or the AFC North right now. Maybe it's just having lived in uh, Northeast Ohio for so long; those words just don't add up in my mind. You <laughs> say them, but they just don't. Like the the neurons aren't firing. But when you like, I agree with all of the things you just said. So I mean, you're you're selling me on buying the uh, buying the public in this one specific scenario. I mean, the public has to win occasionally, don't they? They've got to win sometimes, and it feels like they might be picking out one of the right winners here. All right, before we move on to the Steelers, I want to talk to you guys about my bookie. Uh, they're going to be a sponsor of the show this season. They were a sponsor for us last year, and I've had nothing but good experiences with them. Uh, it's a great time to sign up. We've got one of the best UFC cards on the 2019 calendar coming up. Daniel Cormier defends his title against Stipe Miocic, and I just watched that, something on Cormier, actually, on like E60 or one of those ESPN shows, like really, really interesting dude, interesting career. Uh, I'm a fan of him now, so I'm, I'm probably going to have to check this out. Uh, Nate Diaz also making his return to the Octagon for the first time since 2016. Uh, seriously, this card is stacked, and my bookie is the place to put some money down on fight night. They have uh, better bonuses and more MMA odds than any other sports book, period. Plus, we know football season is coming and nobody does game day better than my bookie. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place guaranteed to take home at least 100000 and it only costs 100 bucks to enter. That's awesome. Uh, you, if for you, if for you the, uh, those of you who don't know... How it works is you're going to pick five games against the spread each week. And how you do in those contests 
will allow you to move up and down the leaderboard. Uh, you know, climb the leaderboard, score your share of the huge cash prizes. I will definitely be in that. I think it's a really cool idea. Um, and, and I'm excited for that. Uh, I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. That is my bookie. Uh, you know, I've, I've made withdrawals, I've made deposits, and they've always been good. Customer service is great. If you interact with them on Twitter, they will always get back to you. Uh, that's why my bookie is the right play. You bet, you win, and they pay. Uh, you can get a, a first deposit bonus up to $1,000. They'll double it for you. Uh, just use a promo code ROTOVIZ to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use promo code ROTOVIZ. You bet, you win, and you get paid. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers. Regular season over-under for them is at 9. They are minus 122 on the over, plus 175 to win the division, plus 100, so even money to make the playoffs. They are 11 to 1 to win the conference and 22 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. So, no Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I know he didn't play last season, but now he's officially gone. No Antonio Brown. Another year older for Ben Roethlisberger. Is there reason for pessimism here? It sounds like you're interested in them. So, sell me on the Steelers. Yeah, I think the Steelers might have been one of the most like confounding teams in the like in recent years to not make the playoffs because when you look at how good their offense was last year when you put up the numbers they did it's almost impossible not to make the playoffs last season uh they were fifth in points per game at 26.8 the teams just ahead of them were new england uh new orleans la rams kansas city uh shockingly the best offenses basically just locked themselves into first round buys just behind them the chargers seattle indianapolis atlanta and chicago Nine of the top ten, or I guess eight of the nine that weren't Pittsburgh, made the playoffs. Uh, basically, I believe it was eight of ten in the previous year, also made the playoffs. When you score like they do, you generally make the playoffs. Pittsburgh was sort of the exception of the rule last year. They had some uh, bad coaching decisions late in games. They also only went 500 in close games. They were just below expectation, a little bit below expectation in terms of Pythagorean wins. So when you look at basically... Uh, what I was just talking about, scoring a lot of points to how many points they gave up on defense. They should have been a little bit more successful, and that's all they needed to make the playoffs was really like they were in it until the very last game of the regular season. I think they, I think they needed like a tie in the final, final game of Week 17. Didn't happen, but up until that point, they were in it until the very last second. So when you look at that, I, I don't – there is reason to be concerned. There is no doubt about that. One, this seems like a, a locker room that despite maybe they've gotten rid of some of the locker room presences that weren't so good – we get these things coming up every year. Ben Roethlisberger has been around the center of drama between his retirement and not getting along with other players. Uh, and it just seems like I can see how you could argue this team could just be like an unstable unit of like people trying to work together. But they did get rid of two of their uh, most volatile players in terms of what they've done to this team. Also, they've added a lot to the team in terms of on-field production in Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. But I think when you look at the players they have now, Juju Smith-Schuster basically breaks the mold for what we know about like age-adjusted production. When you produce at a young age in the NFL, you tend to continue to produce. That's like the golden standard of how we can project players going forward, is if you really dominate uh, both in terms of volume and efficiency at a young age, you're going to keep doing that. Uh, and then Juju, at his age, he wasn't – he was like – 
under 21 when he came in, I believe. Like, he doesn't, we don't have comps for him. That's how good he has been at such a young age. So when people say he's going to get double covered and, you know, with Antonio Brown out of town, he won't be able to handle it. One, uh, Matt Harmon reception perception basically showed that, like, double coverage isn't really as much of a thing as we give it credit for. I don't think, uh, one, it's just not as much of a thing as we think it is. And two, if the Steelers' offense has any, like, semblance of wisdom, they'll find ways to get him open. I don't think the Le'Veon Bell thing really matters for me that much. Not only do we see they were fine without him last year, but also he he was, like, a good receiver in the sense that he had a lot of receiving production, but he wasn't making these giant plus EV swings going downfield. He was generally a very short short a dot player even as far as we think of him as this great route runner it doesn't really show up in his depth of target so i'm not concerned if anything i think getting jalen samuels is a, is a dynamic playmaking running back now but he was a tight end in college who kind of played this swiss army knife role i think getting him the ball more could even increase the production or the value they get out of their backfield on a per touch basis so for me it's it's not that i don't think there are reasons for concern because I, I think it would be silly to say that losing antonio brown is not you know put a little bit of a pit in your stomach. But in terms of what this team has done historically under Ben Roethlisberger and with the weapons they have now, I don't think the drop-off is going to be as significant. For me, uh, over over nine, I don't feel bad taking the over at minus 122 because I think getting the, the push there at nine is, is a reasonable bet to make. I don't like aiming for the push, but you do have that floor. Plus 175 to win the division, not bad. I like plus 100 to make the playoffs. I think... We've seen it so many years in the past that this division produces two, and they've even done three before uh, of the teams in the AFC North make the playoff. I think we get two again this year. So I, I could see that being the Browns and then Pittsburgh squeaking in. Yeah, I, I hear all your points. I think that Pittsburgh, in terms of pure talent, you know, is right up there with any team in the AFC. Uh, my, my bigger questions are more just with the coaching staff. Uh, I have never been a fan of Mike Tomlin. Um, you know, he normally can, can get the team to the playoffs, but we haven't seen him reward that with really anything, uh, in a while. And if you look at some of the games from last year, I think that the losses fall squarely on the coaching staff's shoulders. There's, there was one game against the Chargers last year. Uh, Pittsburgh was 7-3-1 and at that point. They were up 23-7 to at halftime, and then they just absolutely got shredded by Keenan Allen in the second half and ended up losing the game. That game ended up being the difference between them being in the playoffs and being out of it. And when you look at it, Keenan Allen recorded more snaps against linebackers than any game that has been tracked by next uh, next gen <laughs> stats. Uh, we are something special, aren't we? Well, at least we have like one of the most athletic line. Oh, no, we don't. No, there's no explanation. I remember that game so vividly and just... Seeing them, you could tell before every snap exactly what was going to happen, and it was uh, it was crushing. If I loved the Steelers more, I'd be really hurt. But now it's just like, oh, it sucks to watch teams play so suboptimal. But I, I do think coaching, like you're saying, like pound for pound, this is one of the most talented teams in the league, and our coaching just seems to bumble it away every single year. So if that's the concern you're raising, I, I can't really argue with that. Right. Another big loss for them on the coaching staff, no Mike Munchak. Uh, who has done a tremendous job with their offensive line. If you look at like com- combined run and pass blocking, they've been 10th, 8th, 4th, 4th, and 10th since he joined this, the, the team. Prior to that, 21st, 24th, 12th, 21st, 19th. So 
if they have any sort of regression in the offensive line, uh, that could spell problems. I just think there are enough concerns here that I'm not really interested in buying this team at their current number. Um, I'm not looking to take the under either. I just think that there are enough question marks here for me to, to make this sort of a stay away. Yeah, I'm sort of with you on the other end where I, I feel like you're saying if you had to take a pick, you would take the under. If I had to take a pick, I would take the over. But it just seems like the my ability to predict this team is not strong enough that I feel like I have a sharp take in going over or really any of their bets. And if anything, I, I don't think we talk about or at least I've talked about teams with like inordinately high outcomes where like. You know, we talk about Arizona Cardinals. I really do think that's a team with an incredibly high outcome. Now it's the Browns. I don't see that in Pittsburgh's range of outcomes. I think at best case scenario, we see them sort of fall to a better team in the playoffs again. So as you move up the up the food chain of Super Bowl, AFC, winning the division even, uh, those are bets I'm even more likely to shy away from. So for me, this team is sort of their win total is it's it's a good it's a good price there. You're, that's probably what they're going to end at. And the rest of it, I'm sort of fading because I don't think they have an incredibly high range of outcomes. So, you know, in terms of the bets we'll be making, I think I'm I'm on board with you, just sort of a slightly different slant to it. Gotcha. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. All right, let's talk Baltimore. Uh, Their over-under is set at 8.5, minus 139 on the under. They are plus 275 to win the division, plus 185 to make the playoffs. 16-1 16-1 to one to win the AFC, 33-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. So uh, Baltimore is probably one of the more polarizing teams in the league right now. Some people love what they're doing with Lamar Jackson. Uh, other, t- other people think that you can't sustainably win games in the NFL playing that style of football. Um, I think one thing that's, that's going to be, I mean, it's, it's really, it's going to come down to Lamar Jackson. Like, if you're high on him and what he can do in the NFL, you probably think this line is is too low. And if you think that he's a glorified running back playing the quarterback position, you probably think this line is too high. So, Kyle, which side do you stand on? Uh, I don't want to make a hard stance on either one, but I, I will say um, I agree with the fact that they could not win the way they did last year again. That's like it, it's very much like what Jacksonville tried to do, except instead of having a quarterback run it they had a running back run it in Leonard Fournette but they tried to lean on their defense and that can work in spurts when your defense catches the highest range of outcomes and if you have a lot of talent you're more likely to catch that and the Ravens are in a similar situation where their defense was dominant last year relying on your defense is not uh, nearly sustainable as relying on a good offense and good offenses aren't built through the rushing game so I agree with that when you look back to Lamar Jackson at college, every single year he increased his uh, completion percentage. He was throwing for more yards every year. And he was obviously maybe one of the greatest rushing quarterbacks to ever play in college. So he improved every single year as a passer in college. And he had to start. He was a spot starter last season because they somehow thought trotting out Joe Flacco was a good idea. So they really didn't get a chance to prepare for a Lamar Jackson style of offense, even in passing. 
So I think uh, given how much they surrounded him with weapons from from Miles Boykin to last year, they took two tight ends and the later one ended up being the better one in Mark Andrews. But he's a really dynamic playmaking uh, uh, playmaking tight end. Justice Hill, I think, serves uh, as a that's what you want from your running back. Mark Ingram, I don't really care about the between the tackles grinder. I do think he's a bit of an underrated pass catcher, but just to the point where he's serviceable. Justice Hill, I think, can be like a. Uh, I don't want to say Alvin Kamara, but sort of like a Neam Himes, Duke Johnson type where he does actually add value if he catch the the high upside plays that uh, Chris Thompson, another guy who come to mind, scored like eight touchdowns in 10 games or something two years ago. It was, you know, you put those type of playmaking threats in space, you get them lined up against linebackers. That's where you can get value. And then, like I said, Miles Boykin. And I, I don't know if they'll be getting much else in their receiving core, but uh I do like Miles Boykin, and I only say they won't be getting more because their their first round pick. Eh, we'll see if he even starts Week One. In uh, Marquise uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, the the foot injury seems to be a recurring theme for him. But he does have a lot of playmaking ability, and despite being a later breakout player in college, he had a lot of competition to to contend with at Oklahoma. So I, I can see uh, I can see making a case for him. I can see making a case for Miles Boykin. I can see making a case for Justice Hill. They have all of these players who they really need one or two of them to hit in a significant way for the weapons around Lamar Jackson to look pretty good. Then they just need Lamar Jackson to improve a little bit, which he has done every single year in college. And he was almost, I don't want to say set up to fail last season, but this team was not ready for him to come in and he was still serviceable. He was like right around league average in yards per attempt. They just didn't give him the ball to throw that much. So I think if you balance this offense a little more and you get a whole off season, not a bye week or whatever to, to work around him, he can improve uh, as a passer enough for me to feel pretty good about taking over on eight and a half. I feel better about this team, especially when you get plus 275 to win the division, than I do Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's range of outcomes is pretty pretty narrow in that it's right around nine. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens do, if he improves as a passer, this becomes one of the most dynamic offenses in the league, and especially if they, they let him pass the ball more. So for me, I like over eight and a half, and I really like plus 275 to win the division. Because basically it's just like I think their competition to win the division is squarely on Cleveland, who I think their value at plus 130, like I said, two-fifths of the time do they win. I think that's a, a slight bit optimistic. I think the value comes in on Baltimore and and not Pittsburgh or not Cincinnati. So I think they would be sort of my dark horse to win this division. Plus 275 are the odds I'm looking for for that dark horse. Yeah, I, I do like Baltimore. Um you know, Jackson, I think his struggles as a passer, and you kind of talked about this, are largely overblown. You know, he had he averaged 7.1 yards per attempt and a 3.5% touchdown rate, 84.5 passer rating last year. All better than any mark for Flacco over the last four years. So even if you don't believe in him as a passer, he's still clearly an upgrade over Joe Flacco. And this team's defense is so good that they've been able to win, you know, nine, ten games pretty consistently with Joe Flacco. So I think that this team has a nice, a nice ceiling. Um, the defense is just maybe the best in football. And if you look on the offensive side of the ball, they really made a concerted effort to just upgrade their athleticism and bring in some speed this year, which I think fits very nicely with what Jackson brings to the quarterback position. You know, you've got Hollywood Brown and Boykin, who are two of the best athletes at the wide receiver position in the draft. I mean, Boykin was legit one of the best just athletes in the draft, period. 
Justice Hill, excellent athlete. So you put all of those guys around Jackson, and I think that they will be able to generate a pretty good offense. Um, You know, you definitely don't want Jackson to be carrying the ball 20 times a game like he did at times last year, but I think he still can give you, you know, 10 plus carries a game, maybe a few less designed runs, but some more, you know, improvised runs, which, uh, you know, typically are really, really effective offensive plays. Like, I, I, I think that this team is good. I don't think that they are as good as the Browns, but I do think that there's a situation where they win the division. Uh, and I certainly think that they can win nine plus games again. So I do like this team. Uh, you know, I, I kind of sounded pessimistic earlier, but to me, that that was more about Pittsburgh. Like, I think Baltimore is a solid bet here to go over eight and a half. Yeah, if you're not betting Cleveland, this if you really don't want to buy the public, for me, it's not Pittsburgh, but it's Baltimore to pivot to uh, for all the re- reasons we've brought up. So if you're if you're hesitant to get in on the Browns, then I feel like you either you're optimistic about the Steelers, but for me, I'm meh, and you're like slightly less than that. It has to be Baltimore because I think, as we'll talk about later, for me, it's it's not going to be Cincy. Yeah, I mean, let's move on to Cincy. Uh, I actually think that this is a, a pretty interesting team this year. Their regular season over under is at five and a half wins. Uh, it is juiced up on the over minus 143, but still one of the lowest marks in the league. They are 18 to 1 to win the division, 7 to 1 to make the playoffs, and then you get 80 to 1 to win the conference and 150 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. I believe that is dead last or tied for dead last with teams like the Dolphins. So, personally when I don't when I look at this team, I don't see a team that is like should be considered one of the worst in the league. I think at least on the offensive end, they have talent, even considering the fact that AJ Green is going to miss some time. I think that this team is is pretty good. I mean, if you look at what they did early in the year last season before they kind of got decimated by injuries, you know, they lost every healthy tight end on the roster except for one. They lost A.J. Green, and then they ultimately lost Dalton. If you look at how that team fared when they were at full strength, they were actually pretty good. So uh, talk to me, Kyle. What do you think about Cincinnati this year? Is this a team that you think might be able to surprise some people? I mean, if by surprise you mean squeak by the five and a half over, I think that's entirely possible because when you compare them to the Dolphins, it feels like it's no contest. I would take I would take the Bengals. They're not uh, like almost like blatantly trying to lose. They do seem like they're actively competing to win NFL football games, and they've made uh, an interesting decision with their head coach going with Zach Taylor, who really doesn't have a large resume, but he comes from that. So, so sweet Sean McVay coaching line. And to be fair, uh, that's the type of decision I am 100% in support of as opposed to getting these retread, you know, John Foxes or, or whomever you, you, whomever your team, Hugh Jackson, the, the ultimate example of a guy who didn't really seem to do a ton to earn his head coaching role. He was just there and uh, got it anyways. Yeah, I think uh, those are some of the guys who are the prime examples for me. And uh, they, they went the opposite of that. To be successful in the NFL, you either have to be the, the New England Patriots or you have to do things a little differently. You have to shake up the system, especially now in today's NFL where teams are actively doing that. It seems like the Bengals are at least going to try to fall in their footsteps. So this is a team that I don't know if they have the talent around Andy Dalton, who's basically shown one year of like being able to carry a team. And it was more that his, all of his weapons were healthy. Now they won't have A.J. Green for the first 
two, three, four plus weeks. And when he comes back, who knows what he'll be? He hasn't really had a crazy NFL season in a, in a while. It's been uh, a handful of uh, 1,000 yard seasons, misses a few games here, you know, doesn't live up to expectations there. John Ross, I, I'm I'm fine with writing off as a bust. He's, he's like really the only thing he's done in his NFL career is produce a couple of touchdowns. And outside of that, on a per target basis, basis in terms of yards, has been like a terrible net negative relative to just like league average production. Uh, and for me, their offensive line has already been struck by injuries. I just don't see, I don't see the the sort of upside that I want to make a bet on anything outside of just saying, I guess five and a half is a very low total. But even then, that just feels like, oh well, they're all right. Maybe they'll they'll hit that. But that feels like. Not the worst line. Like if I'm investing in a low total, give me the Cardinals, who I think could crush it. This one I can very much see under Andy Dalton without A.J. Green with a very new head coach who's never really – he wasn't even the offensive coordinator. So like, uh, you know, I can understand the the outs of this team to really hit rock bottom. And next year we're looking at them taking a new quarterback number one overall. So I'm not even confident in taking five and a half over. So for me, this team's entirely a stay away. Except if I can like bet on them throwing the most interceptions or something. But Zach Taylor talked to Sean McVay once. Like, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. Sean McVay is very good looking, runs a great offense. But the thing is, I think he ran that offense. I'm not even sure how much. It, like, would you be surprised if this is a, a Bill Belichick thing where uh, Bill Belichick's coaching tree is just littered with these busts? Because guess like. The one constant in the Patriots organization is Bill Belichick. Do you really think it's his coordinators that are like they're just soaking in the Belichick ooze? No, like I would it's, say, it's, I would say that this is a little bit different because Belichick doesn't do anything game changing, right? He's just like really, really good at you know roster management and putting together game plans that you know fit the traditional mold of football. Like he's just better at everybody else than that. You know, the Rams kind of stylistically have changed the game a little bit. I mean, and we'll see Arizona maybe take it to another level this season. But I think that if you're bringing that and replacing, you know, the fossil of Marvin Lewis, like that could do really good things for an offense. Uh, I'm a little bit higher on Tyler Boyd than you. I think that he's a, a very good player. Um, he he had uh, really good numbers when targeted by Andy Dalton last year. And Joe, and Joe Mixon, I think, is a, is a solid running back. I mean, not somebody that I would um, want to spend a lot of time with. <laughs> but <laughs> I think as far as football players go, he is one of the better talents in the league at the running back position. So I think that this team, if everything breaks right for them, could be like a sneaky top 10 offense. So uh, I think that that's enough for me to to take the over here. I think... You know, they won six games last year. I think that they can certainly do that again this year, if not approach, you know, seven or eight wins. So I'm pretty bullish on Cincinnati. I think that this is a team that the bar has been set too low on them. They were very good when healthy last year, and now they're bringing in a a more creative coaching staff. I think that they can surprise some people. So I I like Cincinnati. Uh, This is probably my favorite overbet in the division. That's that's spicy. I, I think like generally just betting an incredibly low total on the over is is like good process because teams hitting these low totals is hard. Uh, for me, I can get on board with that more than I can get on board with them like 
really surprising people, like hitting sort of, we'll say, like seven, eight wins. Because uh, I just like, basically, when you look at what the Rams, like they had everything set up so perfectly in that they had uh, who I believe was a very talented quarterback coming out of college. They had a great offensive line and they had at all times, or at least at all times start season, three dynamic receivers who filled very specific roles. Now we look at Jonah Williams already hurt on the offensive line for the Bengals. Their quarterback is Andy Dalton, who's just meh. And then their receivers are going to be like AJ Green's out for now. So their receiver is going to be Tyler Boyd, who I thought would fill in a, a very similar role to Robert Woods very well. I do like coming out of college. I loved him. And then he didn't test well at the combine. And I was like, eh, combine doesn't matter. Who cares? So uh, like he was a player who I was really high on, but I'm not sure if he can really carry this receiving core because John Ross is bad. Like he is like the same. He has to fill the same role as Brandon Cooks because he is like was billed to be the same type of player, but he's just not that. So for me, I just don't know. Like this is going to be the poorest, poorest, poor man's Rams to the point where I don't <laughs> think it can work. Like it's the like homeless man looks at the Ram or looks at the Bengals and goes like, nah, I saw it better than that. Hey, that's but fine. I, We're allowed to disagree. Uh, I think that, the, you know, some creative coaching can overcome some talent deficiencies. Like uh, last year, they ran a lot of two tight end sets before, you know, Eifert and Croft got hurt. And they were very, very good in those situations. So uh, in the first half of games last year, Cincinnati ran 12 personnel on 28% of their passes, which was the highest rate in the league. And they were number four in passing efficiency on non-wide receiver targets. Started the year three and one. So, you know, before those guys got hurt, I think that this offense was uh, was better than people remember it being. You know, we kind of remember the Jeff Driscoll version of this team and not so much the Andy Dalton, Tyler Eifert version of this team. So maybe I'm being a little bit too optimistic and we're not going to get you know, that same level of production while this team is healthy. But uh, I think that there's enough there, like I said, for, for me to get excited about. I'm not excited about the over, but if you force me to bet it, I would still lean towards the over. It's just I think we see different ceilings, which is fine. All right, let's talk some prop bets. Uh, we've got for the MVP award, there's a couple of interesting guys here. Baker at 16 to 1 is the favorite from this division. Uh, you can also get Big Ben at thirty to one, uh, and Lamar Jackson at sixty-six to one is kind of intriguing as well. I mean, it sounds like we both like the Ravens. What kind of season do you think Lamar would have to have to put himself into MVP consideration? I think it could look very similar to uh, like the seasons Michael Vick was up there. He never won, but he was in that conversation of just being this sort of uh, like. This player we hadn't seen before, and like some people thought we would never see again. And until really the past two years with Lamar and uh, for me Kyler Murray, I, it was reasonable to think we may never see a player like that again with that sort of athleticism, both in terms of being able to make big plays in the passing game and obviously being like one of the greatest rushing quarterbacks of all time. So for me, I think it has to come with sort of a a Cam Newton rookie season. I think he had like ten rushing touchdowns and just like reasonable passing numbers catching sort of that sort of high variance in touchdowns even if you throw a lot of picks and also this team has to uh they have to make the playoffs and they have to like it can't be a, a last second field goal thing when you look at the, the players that are winning mvp it's typically teams that well outperform expectations so for me one you have to be betting on the defense again just for the sole fact that i don't think this team 
makes the playoffs easily if their defense isn't good, because that's part of what their game is predicated on. And then you have to catch the high upside of variance with Lamar Jackson's rushing, which last season he actually wasn't like a crazy efficient rusher. I think he was under five yards a carry and put up like six touchdowns on the most rush attempts for a quarterback ever. So the the two things that need to happen are he needs to improve as a passer, which I think is reasonable. Almost the harder thing might be that he has to really jack up his efficiency in terms of rushing because you're going to need a crazy rushing season from him. And last year he didn't have just the the raw stat totals in terms of rushing efficiency to get there. But I do think 66 to 1 is really good value for me. It's the, the best value in this division. I know everyone loves Baker, but for me it's the same thing where uh, I don't think fading – like I don't think fading Baker is super smart – especially like if you want to carry this conversation into fantasy, but just uh, you're paying fair value to get that where I think Lamar is the best value in this yeah. division to, to win the MVP. Cause I think if he jacks up his rushing efficiency and his passing just increases marginally, cause he was like last season, I think it was a uh, 7.3 and 7.4 were uh, adjusted yards per attempt and yards per attempt average across the league. He was at seven and 7.1. He was a slightly below average passer. He just needs to get a hair above average passing efficiency, and he could be the, the greatest rushing quarterback of all time. He could have a, a thousand yards rushing, which has been done, I think, like maybe once or twice. I think it was like Vic and maybe somebody else. But like he could set records as a rushing quarterback, and it's that sort of narrative that we talk about that with these more subjective things. I mean, it's completely subjective, the MVP. Uh, like that narrative building around a 22 year old leading his team to the playoffs by being the greatest rushing quarterback of all time. I can see that winning the MVP in 66 to one. That's that's great payout for that. Yeah, I think it's a good bet as well. And I would say that Baker at 16 to one is maybe even a little uh, like overvalued. Like I love Baker. Uh, I think he's a great player, going to be a great player, but that's a big ask for a second year guy. I mean, he's basically, you know, cl- inside the top 10 around the top five to win the MVP. Uh, he's seventh right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. So like you're putting him in the same weight class as guys like Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, you know, all, uh, Matt Ryan's 25, Russell Wilson's 22. Like these are guys who are proven and have, you know, won MVPs or put up MVP caliber seasons in the past. So uh, I would personally be more interested in Baker in the 25 ish range. So I think that he's a fade for me here. Uh, and I agree with you with Lamar being the best pure value. Um, one interesting bet here that stood out to me, defensive rookie of the year, uh, Devin Bush. He is now playing for the Steelers. Uh, he's the favorite on DK Sportsbook to take home the award, but you can still get him at plus 550. And some interesting trends that I uh, noticed in researching here. So... If you look at over the past 15 years, seven defensive rookie of the year winners have played inside linebacker. Um, No other position has more than three. And 10 of the last 12 winners were selected with inside inside the top 15 of the draft. Um, So if you look at uh, Bush here, he fits both of those criteria of things that I'm looking for. Um, The other guy who fits that is Devin White, and you can get him at 7-1. to one. So I kind of think that grabbing both of those guys at their respective odds kind of makes some sense. I don't know if you have any thoughts on the Defensive Rookie of the Year, but 
<laughs> just digging into the numbers, I think that you you can get a nice little payout potentially if you hedge both of those guys together. For me, uh, do you have the odds pulled up? Because I would be curious to know where uh, Nick Bosa is. He's 12 to 1. I think that might be my bet. And that's more of a bet not on the historical trends, but the talent evaluation, where I think he is uh, like, he has that sort of Joey Bosa season in him, ironically, that being his brother. Uh, he has that sort of immediate pl- day one playmaking impact where I think he could come in and have like a, a 15 sack season or something. I really think he's that talented. But I, I don't mind the idea of getting somebody like uh, like Devin Bush who could just rack up sackles, rack up tackles in the position he's playing right now, which would be very similar to who won it last year, Darius Leonard, linebacker for right. the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Like yes. It has that sort of same profile. So I think for me, I would actually pair him with a, a higher upside 12 to 1 odds guy like Nick Bosa. But I don't think it's a bad bet. I, I can understand why he's the favorite. I don't know if it's good value, but I think it, it's right in the realm of fair. Yeah, no uh, edge rusher has won the award since Von Miller in 2011. But I agree that Bosa, you know, has the potential to be a, a special type player. So, uh, and as you mentioned, Joey Bosa won the award. So. Uh, maybe it runs in the family there. Uh, the one guy that I don't like is Quinn and Williams at nine to one because he's a jet. <laughs> uh, two interesting Miles Garrett stat, uh, props here. I love this one, fourteen to one to lead the league in in sacks. Um, he's already talked about how the old coaching staff kind of only let him use power moves. He wasn't allowed to do any sort of like spins or anything along those lines, which makes no sense considering how good of an athlete this guy is. But I think if you unleash him now and, you know, they have uh, Olivier Vernon on the other side who had a bit of a down year, but he was still very highly graded by pro football focus. Like, I think that Miles Garrett could be in line for a huge year. So I'm I'm interested in 14 to 1 to lead the league in sacks. And you can also get him at 14 to 1 to win defensive player of the year. Like to me, it makes sense that those things would be correlated because if he leads the league in sacks, there's a good chance he's going to lead the league or he's going to win defensive player of the year. So uh, the sack one is the one I'm more interested in, but I think that both of these vets bets hold some value. Yeah. I, you will not hear an argument from me. Having watched miles Garrett a bit more closely than I might've watched other defensive players. Uh, I really think he has that uh, the next like star defensive lineman, you know, the Khalil Mack type of potential where there are few defensive players as a whole that can really change the outcome of a game. When you look at it, it's basically been like, like Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald, JJ Watt, and a handful of corners. Uh, like he, he has the makings of that next great player. So I think 14 to one is incredible value on both those bets. All right, let's move on to the offensive guy. So passing leader, you can get big Ben at 10 to one Baker at 12 to one. Uh, I don't think either other player or in this division really uh, provides much of a shot at winning this thing. So either of these guys stand out to you. I mean, Big Ben, I think, at 10-1 to 1 is pretty nice. He's a guy who has been asked to throw the ball a ton. And, uh, you know, we've seen the 5,000-yard the type season from him in the past. So are you interested in Big Ben? Do you prefer Baker at 12-1? to 1? What are your thoughts here? I think I'm probably fading both of these. I think... A, the Baker hype, like like we said with the last one, I really do think he's one of the best quarterback prospects to come out, you know, in my lifetime, essentially. He's got two of the, two of the top five yards per attempt seasons in a, in a college football season, a single season. Like, 
Nobody, like, few players ever do that once, let alone the fact that he did it twice. I think he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks to play for a long time. But that seems like the hype has already jumped the shark. And for me, Big Ben, I just don't see this team passing as much. Last year, they were second in the NFL. They passed over 67% of their total plays. And that was while thinking they may or may not have Le'Veon Bell coming back and then learning he wasn't. They had two of the top receivers in the league, easily the best receiving tandem in the NFL. Now they've lost Antonio Brown and uh, Jalen Samuels, James Conner are both fully integrated into the system, having not really known what their role would be until week one. So I think we're going to see them rush the ball a lot more just because like teams don't continue to pass as often as Pittsburgh did last year at, you know, over two thirds of the time. Is that what I would love to see out of this team in any modern NFL team? Absolutely. Let's ratchet that number up to 80, 90, hundred percent. Don't run the ball once, but until they come out and say that's their game plan, I think it's reasonable to expect they pass the ball significantly less. And, uh, you know, for that reason, I just don't know if the volume is going to be there. And I, I can understand saying that there will be some drop in efficiency after losing Antonio Brown as much as I've hyped up Juju Smith-Schuster. I do think, you know, you can't expect Antonio Brown to leave and nothing to change. So for me, I think 10 to 1, like your window to take a big Ben passing yards leader was probably last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to say he was in the same ballpark last year, and he did lead the league. So I'm interested once again. He's won it twice in the past five years. I think that, you know, if we simulated the season, he should be priced at better than just a 10% chance of, of winning this thing. So uh, I like Big Ben, uh, but I'm with you on Baker being overpriced. Let's talk rushing yards. Uh, Joe Mixon is the favorite in this division at 16-1. to 1. Uh, You can also get Nick Chubb at 20-1. to 1. James Conner at 25 to 1, and then a couple of Ravens long shots, Mark Ingram 66 to 1, and Lamar Jackson 100 to 1. So, does anyone in this division have a chance to lead the league in rushing yards? This division has a lot of chances to lead the league in rushing yards. I'm going to fade the the Ravens right away because I think uh, Lamar Jackson will eat in enough to Mark Ingram's role that he doesn't really have a chance, even if not, even if. They dial his runs back significantly. I just don't think Mark Ingram really has much of a chance. I think you need to be one of the premier NFL backs, and he doesn't really have the chance to even jump into that stratosphere. I don't think James Conner, Nick Chubb, or Joe Mixon are quite in that tier yet. You look at, like, basically fantasy drafts as the top five guys, but they could join that tier this year. It's not happening for Mark Ingram, and I'd bet my life against a quarterback ever doing this. Like, this, it won't happen, ever. Uh, but I think I think really what I'm looking at here is Nick Chubb because if you believe in the offense they are they're running with, they could be winning in a lot of games. And if we're both looking at taking the over on nine and a half, if you're making that bet or if you're thinking that that is a reasonable bet to make, then you have to think that they will be winning a lot of games where Nick Chubb could just be running out against you know soft defenses later in the later in the games. And now they don't have Duke Johnson, who as much as they failed to utilize him last year is still less competition the better. I think Nick Chubb 20 to 1 is probably the best bet in this division. I'm not sure I'm confident in James Conner getting the workload that we would like him to get in uh you know Jalen Samuels breathing down his throat and then Joe Mixon I just don't think uh if you're optimistic on the offense like you are, I can very much see it being a sharp bet because I'm less optimistic on the offense and I don't think they're going to be in such a positive game script like we'll see with the Browns that for me I think uh like the better bet was with him would be if you could find yards from scrimmage because I think he's going to be one of the best receiving backs in the league. But just uh, I don't know if he'll get the carries to do it. What's it, like? I could be swayed on Joe Mixon. I like Nick Chubb at twenty to one. Do you have a sales pitch on Joe Mixon? No, uh, okay, I honestly cool. can't make a like a. I, in my mind, there's no way that he should be priced 
better than Nick Chubb here. Like, just in terms of what kind of teams they're going to play for. Like, these are both really good running backs. Um, There were two running backs last year who were top five in explosiveness and top 15 in early down success rate. And they were Joe Mixon and Nick Chubb. So I do think that those guys are both very good. But just the 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 team that Chubb plays for is going to put him in such a better position. Uh, I guess you do have to worry about the Carlos Hyde thing, but I still don't. There's a chance to me that he doesn't even end up ever playing a game for this team. Like if Chubb gets off to a good start, they might just go, you know what, this guy isn't worth it, and just just cut him. So are you I talking about uh, Kareem Hunt? Is that what I what did I say? You said Carlos Hyde, and I was like, dude, I really don't think he's on there. But I understand the confusion with Kansas City backs. I feel the same way as as you know the Kansas City back. They just switched roles. But uh, I feel the same way that uh, I you know I don't know if I'll I'll say there's a chance they cut him, but it really seems like uh, Nick Chubb's probably going to go and play well because he's a good running back early in the season. And as much as they might like Kareem Hunt's talent. Uh, it seems like Nick Chubb's probably a similar talent, and why would you give a lot of run to a guy who probably won't be on on your team within a year or two, uh, and a guy that like fans probably don't want to see succeed? Like it's a it's a bad PR look. It's a like at best like a wash in terms of talent, likely because I think Nick Chubb is just that good of a player, and he's not going to be getting first team reps for the first eight weeks of the season. Like it just doesn't seem like in any light uh, he'll be much more than a, a change of pace back. Which, if you have Kareem Hunt as your change of pace back, that's great. But, you know, I don't think it's as much of a threat as, you know, fantasy ADP or other people touting Kareem Hunt would have, have you believe. All right, last but not least, receiving yards leader. Uh, Juju is 8-1 to one here, your boy. Uh, basically everybody in the fantasy community's boy. You can get Odell at 14-1. to one. Uh, Jarvis Landry is 50-1, to one, which seems egregious to me. Uh, Tyler Boyd, 66 to 1. And if you believe that AJ Green is going to come back healthy, you can grab him at 80 to 1. So uh, I personally think that 8 eight to 1 for Juju is too thin. I'm much more interested in Odell at 14 to 1. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, wop wop. They beat me too. Somebody, somebody must have bet this lineup already, or whoever set that uh, 8 to 1 was just a sharp bookmaker because I, I love Juju with all my heart as a person, and I think he's going to be a dominant fantasy player for years to come. But uh, just, like, I, I'm not 8-1 to one odds certain. I'd much rather take uh, Odell Beckham, who I think if this offense really reaches the peaks it could reach, one, I don't think Jarvis Landry or, I guess, now Richard Higgins as opposed to Antonio Callaway are going to eat into his role as much as almost anyone would say. I think the, the dominant players in the NFL are going to carry the volume they get with them almost wherever they go. So if he even like approaches similar volume, it doesn't have to be the same as he saw in New York, just in that stratosphere of dominance over his offense with, you know, the best quarterback he's ever played with and the best quarterback a lot of players will have ever played with. You know, I think we expect Baker to be a top, you know, seven, eight, nine quarterback in the league. You pair that sort of volume with that efficiency, 14 to one, as much as I love Juju, is a much better bet. And I do think uh, some sharp people like Evan Silver are just like, you can buy Odell Beckham at whatever cost. You look at the volume he's going to get from Baker Mayfield. How can you not have him as one of your top receivers in fantasy? And for that same reason, I I, I think 14-1 to is actually kind of a sneaky value there. Yeah, agreed. And again, this is your you know daily podcast reminder to shop around and get, get the best lines for whatever you're looking for. Because I just pulled up the FanDuel Sportsbook quickly, um, and you can get Juju at 
12 to 1 there. Odell is only 11 to 1. So if you like Juju, you bet him at FanDuel. If you like Odell, you bet him at DK. And of course, make sure to check out my bookie as well. You know, being that they are the sponsor of the show, I feel like I should mention (laughs) that you can get these same props over there. So find the best lines, you know, do what's best for, you know, your dollar, make it go the farthest. And uh, we've pretty much echoed that thought on every show that we do. And we will continue to echo it because it is important. So uh, that's going to do it for this. Wait, wait, wait. Breaking news. Breaking news. So Uh last week I was pulling up my bookie odds to see what they had. And I got severely distracted because last week we talked about the Patriots at like uh, minus 500 to win the division. You're just like, it's a good savings account at that point. They are significantly better than that. I have the ultimate high-yield savings account for you. Uh, this is on my bookie. Kyler Murray or Josh Rosen, more wins in 2019. Kyler Murray at minus 250. Is that not like – like, tell me to not invest everything in that. Talk me off of the reverse ledge. I mean, I do love Josh Rosen. I shouldn't say love. I like him a lot more than uh, other people do. But, yeah, that's that's pretty nuts. Um, you know, especially since there's a scenario where – where Kyler plays like twice as many games as him. That's the thing that gets me because I can totally see like, uh, like I can see the dolphins having this sort of, they have a lot of high volatility weapons. We talked about them. They have these high volatility weapons of Kenyon Drake's healthy. I like him as a receiving back, which is like the most important thing a back can do. Sure. Maybe they, they get on the lucky side of a few wins, but he, he might not play those games. That's the big thing for me is that we like the volatility on the offense even more with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think Josh Rosen is obviously more likely to be their quarterback in the future if it's on the if he's on the roster. But uh, like, come on, minus two fifty. That's that is your my bookie plug. Go there and slam that line. All right, some last minute investment advice from Kyle Dvorak. Who you can yeah, this isn't betting advice. This is investment advice. Put your four hundred one k in this. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Tweets here. I am Matt Lamarca at Matt Lamarca. Thanks for tuning in. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. They call you the Grill Master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing.